0: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. I am not going to lie to you all, I have been having a hard time this week getting back into the swing of things, getting back to the grind of working and getting organized again. It's been really difficult as it is every year, but I feel for some reason my social media feeds have really prioritized new year, new me type of content, which I hate the new year, new me, (laughs) like mantra situation, concept, whatever you call it. I, you know, I hate that because I feel like it's, it sets a lot of pressure on the person to become, to reinvent themselves and to do all of this very quickly. And I feel like New Year's resolutions are even very tough for me to wrap my head around because I feel that often they are abandoned because there's just way, way, way too much pressure. After the holidays, it's very hard to kick yourself into high gear after being off for a couple of weeks or even longer than that in some situations. So I just feel like the pressure needs to dial back considerably because I am feeling the stress. I'm very um, empathetic. (laughs) I feel like that's like a... A TikTok buzzword right now, but I am a very empathetic person. I do feel the emotions of those around me. And when I'm on social media and I'm sensing the stress that people are feeling in setting these resolutions, the fear that they won't be able to complete them, like all this stuff, I'm just feeling all of these things. And social media has been terrifying to me the last couple of days because it feels like everyone around me was able to bounce back from the holidays so quickly. And I just know that's not the case. Like, I know that's not true. People are often posting things in an aspirational way, like, oh, look at me accomplishing so much after being off for three weeks and forgetting how to work. I mean, I wasn't even off for three weeks. I feel like I was on and off very sporadically depending on campaigns and stuff I was working on with clients and all that. So, But anyway, back to what I was saying, the, the core of my argument here is I think everyone needs to calm down, okay? <laughs> everyone chill You know, people are out there trying to make it look like they're building Rome in a day and that's just not the case. We all know that it's not the case. So be gentle with yourself right now. If you're having a hard time getting back into the swing of things, you are right there alongside so many of us. We are all or most of us in the same boat here. So anyway, guys, that is just how I'm feeling right now. Thought I would lay that out there at the top of the episode before I get into quite the subject today, guys. I am talking today about haters. Why, specifically why, why haters hate? Why do internet trolls hide behind their computers and make people sad intentionally? (laughs) Why do people nitpick every little thing they see on TikTok? Like, What is this energy? Where does it come from? Where did it start? What's the history? What's the psychology? Just all of that jazz. I really wanted to look into it. And I found some interesting stuff, guys. I uncovered a lot of really interesting, juicy stuff. So stay tuned. I do want to let you guys know at the top of the episode what inspired me to talk about this, because it was actually, ironically, it was a TikTok that inspired this it was a piece of social media that I saw. And I was like, this is really interesting. Why is this a thing? Really? So it was my friend, JC Marie. I've been on her podcast. She has this great podcast with her friend, Chelsea. I've met both of them. I met JC actually at a brand retreat. We went on this brand weekend of sorts. Yeah, right? That's how I met her. Yeah, it is. Um, This was years ago now. And I met her there. So I've known her for quite some time now. I Often see her on my for you page on TikTok. It's always funny when you see like your people, your people you know, like familiar faces on your for you page. It's like a little moment of like, ah, I know that person. It's not a random person I've never seen because 90% of the people I see on my for you page are random people I don't know. Anyway, saw her face on my for you page a couple of days ago, and she posted this green screen TikTok. So she is in the front, and then behind her is a DM screenshotted from her Instagram. And I was like, oh, God, where is this going? Because whenever I see DMs and a person in front, I'm like, this could go a million different ways, a myriad of ways. So essentially, this is a SparkNotes version of what happened, but it was a DM thread. I wouldn't say it's a conversation because she had never actually left any messages in the thread. It was all from this one follower of hers. And at first, it was kind, supportive, sweet messages. And as you get down the thread, it's like nice message, nice message, nice message in JC's DMs from this person that she does not know. And then the last DM was, you really annoy me. And what I appreciate about the way that JC was discussing this, it wasn't her ripping on this internet troll. It was her discussing how interesting It was that the troll went from being, or the person, it's a person, at the end of the day, the person behind the computer was being kind, and then there was this shift in tone and in discourse. It was positive, then negative, and JC was like, this is so common in influencer culture And I can say as an influencer, as someone who gets DMs like this all the time, it is always really interesting and it's very common to see that a hater has left you messages before that are nice. It's very common to see that. And JC said, she described this concept of the life cycle of an internet troll, being that they start out as a fan and when they aren't given attention, they Completely flip into hating on you. And I feel like this is a storyline that a lot of like Marvel movies or superhero movies, like, isn't this the plot of the Incredibles movie? I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a very long time since I've seen it, but I think Mr. Incredible was the idol of the evil guy, right? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so this life cycle of an internet troll, of going from sweet to sour, kind of like a Sour Patch Kids sort of situation. And as one of the commenters on JC's TikTok pointed out, and I agree with this comment, this is a prime example of a parasocial relationship, which put simply is a one-sided relationship where one person is putting forth all this energy and obsession and time into This person or thing and the other person, like person or like maybe a group, like One Direction or something, and the other entity, the other party is completely unaware that that person exists. They might know they have fans, but they don't know the identity of this one person that is putting forth so, so, so much energy. It's like back in the day when I had a cardboard cutout of Niall Horan in my bedroom And it was in the background of all of my YouTube videos for like an entire year. Niall Horan did not know and still does not know that I exist. And that's a parasocial relationship because I was obsessed with him and he had no idea that I existed. So this internet troll life cycle is kind of an example of a parasocial relationship. The the downside or the, I guess, when it crashes and burns, because when someone realizes that their idol does not know them and might have zero intention or interest in knowing them. And they feel that, I don't want to call them the fangirl, but I mean, hey, I'm a fangirl. I'll call myself a fangirl in the Niall Horan situation. Me as a fangirl realizing this, having this crushing realization that Niall Horan will never know who I am, although I am expending so much energy and time and money into obsessing over them. I think, in short, a lot of feelings hit you when you realize that. And some people take that feeling and that energy, that disappointment, that embarrassment, and they channel it into hate. They turn into haters because they are so disappointed in their idol for letting them down. So that's kind of a simplified version of what JC was describing in her internet troll life cycle. Obviously, there's a million different ways to be a troll, (laughs) like a million different ways to cyber bully people or to just poke around and stir the pot and make people upset. And so I wanted to talk about it at length today. What is an internet troll? Where did the word troll even come from? Because I think of, like, the grumpy old troll under the bridge or, like, the colorful hair trolls that I used to play with when I was a kid. Like, where did this come from? And then also I did a little bit of poking around into what goes on in the mind of a troll or just any one of us out there. Because, I mean, sometimes I can feel a little trolly. Like, I definitely have creeped on some people on the internet because I'm like, what the heck is this girl's life? Like, I can be a creeper for sure. I'm definitely a creeper. I wouldn't say that I'm a troll that leaves angry messages and comments. I don't think I've ever left a hater message or comment in my life, but I've certainly creeped on people's pages and thought some things. And thinking back to some of the hateful things that I've thought when I've looked at people's pages, I'm realizing after doing some digging and the reading that I've done for this episode that... There's a reason I felt this way, and a lot of it has nothing to do with that other person and all to do with me and my own personal demons and my emotional
1: insecurities. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
0: So anyway, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. I am very excited to share this with you guys. So let's get into it. Okay. So first matter of business thing I want to talk about is just how unnatural the internet is. I've said before, it's a very new invention. Obviously, I think that as humans, we are still trying to wrap our heads around it. I mean, truly, I am still trying to understand the internet and the power of the internet and how to harness the internet and have power over it and there's just no way to do it. It's a crazy beast. You never know what's going to happen when you put something out there into the internet. You don't know what's going to happen. It can be turned into a viral meme. It can be totally ignored. Like it's just it's a mysterious mysterious beast. But it's also one of those things that's both positive and negative. It can help a lot of people. It can hurt a lot of people. It's a very tricky, tricky beast. And something that I find so interesting and the reason why I said that the internet is so unnatural is human beings have never before had access to this many other human beings in such an intimate sense. Influencer culture is a huge example of this because we've truly never before this current time have never been given the opportunity to know so many people, to get to know so many people on such an intimate level. As an influencer myself, I've been on the internet since 2009. I mean earlier than that, but I've been putting my life on the internet, very much so every detail, like not sparing a detail since 2009, since I was 14. And I can say... I am very open on the internet. I also follow a lot of people that are very open on the internet. This sort of sharing from all corners of the world, like if you want to get to know someone really well, it's really not that hard. And this is the first time in human history where it's been so easy to get to know total strangers at a large scale. You can follow thousands of people on Instagram. I know I do. I think I follow 2,800 people on Instagram. So you can follow people at a large scale, super intimately, and remain totally anonymous in the process. You, If you don't want your identity to be found by this person that you follow, you can comment under an alias of any sort. Any photo you want can be your profile picture It's this really interesting age of having access to so many people and so many different lifestyles and all these messages that are being thrown in our faces every day, but you have the luxury of remaining anonymous and private. It's kind of like this weird contrast of super public influencers and super private people, some of which become trolls because they can. And I just want to say that obviously not every person that remains private and anonymous on social media is a troll, but that is the enabler. Like that feature, the the fact that you can be anonymous has enabled so many trolls in the past because some people do have a fear of putting their actual name. And identity out there and have it attached to the negative thing they're saying. I mean, I will say in more recent years, it seems people do not care. Like they will comment from their actual account and say mean things. I really think that with the emergence of TikTok, hate comments have become less of a troll exclusive scenario and more so just I mean, hate comments are are plentiful. You go on any big TikTok creator's account and you will see at least one comment that is in varying degrees of nastiness. Obviously, there's a lot of filters now on TikTok and other apps to make sure that people aren't being super vulgar and mean. But I mean, a lot of it is, I was just looking at this girl's today who's decorating her apartment and someone was so angry or angered by the choice of this color that she chose for this armoire that she has and there was at least a dozen comments with like 400 hearts on the comment about this armoire that people hated. I'm like, really, does this like come on? I mean, I get being critical, but these were not kind, like constructive. They were just they were mean. <laughs> they were they were mean and I clicked on some of their pages then mean commenters and they have just like normal social media presences on their TikToks and they're fully public. I'm like, wow, this person has guts to do that because I mean, like I said, I've never left a publicly mean comment, but I can imagine that when you're anonymous, there's this rush of they'll never know. Like, ooh, they'll never know who I actually am and I can still lurk in peace. Anyway, let's talk about trolls. Let's talk about – Actually, first, I do want to read this quote that I found that I stuck in my notes folder as a little nugget to share because I thought it was really interesting. So, the former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, said this really interesting quote that goes right along with this. He said, The context of social networks that serve as amplifiers for idiots and crazy people is not what we intended. If the industry doesn't pull itself together in a really clever way, there will be new regulation. So that, I don't know what that means, but I do feel like social media giants are realizing that this negative culture, like something's gotta happen here because, I mean, Instagram is doing some stuff. I have noticed. Obviously, they do that thing now where if you block an account, you can block all new accounts that that person makes, like their IP address will be blocked. So there are small strides, but I'm wondering what this means because the internet hasn't been around for that long. So if if Eric Schmidt is saying this, who the heck knows? He also went on to say that the internet is used for envy, oppression, and hate. So that is the former Google CEO, everyone. So let's talk about internet anonymity. That's a very hard word for me to say, aka being anonymous on the internet, like I just talked about. So it kind of started in terms of the history of being anonymous on the internet, where did it come from? This kind of obviously gave birth to the first internet trolls. It really did start with the first, like the earliest internet chat rooms, the earliest message boards and forums where people could create accounts and act as anyone they wanted to be. And the ability to remain anonymous behind a computer screen not only made people feel free from repercussions that might otherwise prevent them from speaking out and criticizing people, criticizing the government and and talk about politics in such a free way where it wasn't attached to their identity, the guilt that one would feel or the shame or the fear of getting caught or someone disagreeing with you or getting reprimanded, it all but vanished. There was this one blog post that I found that put it perfectly, I'll have it linked in the show notes, they said, the internet gave all of our worst impulses just what they needed to thrive. So people's humanity, they're ugly, they're evil, because obviously there's not one single human out there that doesn't have some negative thoughts every once in a while or some maybe not so godly and perfect. And, you know, we have these thoughts where we're like, oh, hate that girl's shoes or certain things like that. And even if we don't say them out loud, it doesn't mean that we didn't think it, right? (laughs) Like not every, there's no perfect person out there. There just isn't. So it gives that impulse to say, I hate her shoes. It gives it that impulse wings. It gives it power because I can say that thing. I hate this girl's shoes. I could do that if I wanted to, but the anonymous factor, the anonymity of it, just it makes it so much easier to to do that, to give that impulse the power that it needs to thrive. Okay. Let's focus. Let's hone in on the internet troll the person that uses social media and the internet to hate. Okay, let's talk about them, where they came from, where the term came from, and why they do so. Why do they hate? Okay, so let's talk about the word troll first. So this word, troll, dates back to the 80s, but according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the first time the term troll was used in an online capacity It happened on December 14th, 1992 when someone wrote in a forum, they said this, maybe after I post it, we could go trolling some more and see what happens. I wonder what they were talking about posting. (laughs) I'm curious. I actually didn't find that part, but a troll or a troller in internet slang is essentially someone that starts an argument or upsets people with the sole intention of getting people fired up. This type of cyberbully, it is a literal breed of cyberbully. They enjoy creating chaos and then sitting back and watching what happens. It's like setting a fire and watching to see what burns and what people say about it. Like that's literally what it is. And their goal is to cause people to get emotional and to overall just harass people online. So that is what a troll is. That's what a troll is at least now. There are a lot of different things I was finding online about how the word troll meant something totally different years ago. And trolling wasn't a toxic thing in the beginning. It was more so just a mischievous thing and not so much a, a mean sort of behavior. And the word troll comes from trolling. This is very interesting, which describes the fishing technique, yes, the fishing technique of slowly dragging a lure or baited hook from a moving boat. I mean, I all these years had thought that troll came from, like it was like a grumpy troll under a bridge. I had no idea why, but now I know it's a, a term, a fishing term, that now we think of troll and obviously troll and trolling are very different depending on who you ask, but there you go. So that is the root of the word troll. But I want to talk about why why trolls troll. Why do haters hate? Why? Like why do we or people out there, human beings behind computer screens, why do they knowingly put negative energy out into the world? So I want to bring up this unrelated yet related study that happened, okay? And <laughs> bear with me here, it's all going to make sense in the end. So have you guys ever heard about the connection between swearing, so saying curse words, and pain relief? It's basically proven fact that repeating the F word, like saying F-U-C-K, the F-bomb, increases our ability to tolerate pain. So when you hurt yourself, like you put your hand on a hot stove, maybe screaming any number of expletives isn't a totally frivolous, unnecessary thing, maybe it's actually preventing you from your body from experiencing as much pain as it could potentially feel. So I found this awesome Forbes article that really broke this down. I'll have it linked in full. But to test the theory that curse words can actually relieve pain, researchers from Keele University over in the UK worked with an agency to create two new swear words. So they created this swear lab, which is the cutest thing I've ever heard. And they created these two new fictional swear words. And the two that they came up with were twizpipe and fouch, which obviously are not real words. But Dr. Richard Stevens, who led the project, said, he said, I instantly loved twizpipe as it had a lovely raw Doll quality to it. And Ollie Robertson, who is a PhD candidate and author on the paper about the study, described Fouch as being rather satisfying to say. So they came up with these two fictional words. They got 92 people to agree to be involved in this study. And what they were asked to do was hold their hands in an ice bath, and the researchers then measured these people's pain threshold by timing how long it took them to begin to feel pain with their hands in this ice bath. Their pain tolerance was determined by how long they were able to keep their hands in the freezing water. They used obviously those two words, pipe, fouch, the F-bomb. So that was the third word. And then the fourth word in the study was solid. So S-O-L-I-D, solid. And this was used as a neutral word likely because it's, you know, pretty normal, it's not very exciting, but it's familiar and definitely a part of every person's natural vocabulary. So, the people took the challenge four times, one for each of the words, obviously. So, each time they took the challenge, they did the, the ice bath situation for their hand. They essentially said one of the words as a relief or like as a, a form of relief. They shouted one of the words. So as you might guess, at the end of the study, after all 92 people had put their hands in this ice bath, they realized that the F-bomb was just the best out of all the words. Like it had power. When the study participants repeated the F-bomb, they demonstrated increases in both their pain threshold and their pain tolerance. When they repeated the other words in the study, so pipe, vouch, or solid, they had emotional or maybe humorous responses, but they had no help at all with the pain from saying those words. And I had read about this study a long time ago. And I always bring it up whenever I say the F bomb around my mom. And I'm like, mom, it actually, you know, is clinically proven <laughs> to reduce pain. So that's why I say it. And I, you know, use it as this like justifying tactic of this is why I say this word. I'm trying not to say it in this episode so I can not be rated explicit, but I do say it in normal life. But the reason why I'm bringing this up here is while I was thinking about why people say bad things online, it kind of related to this concept of saying a bad word to reduce pain in a physical sense. I feel that people leave hateful messages online and they stir the pot online Because it does, in some way, relieve emotional pain for people. Hating on other people can sometimes make the person hating feel a bit better. And there's a bunch of reasons for this. So I want to talk about what motivates trolls. And spoiler alert, there's a lot of things, okay? A lot of different things depending on who you are. But my initial thought was a lot of, I mean, okay, People in general are motivated by fear. I think fear is a huge motivator and it pushes people to do things they wouldn't do if they were not afraid of certain things. Like You can be fearful that you will never be understood by people. You fear being different. You fear that you'll never become the person that you want to be. So that fear drives you to hate on people that might be doing better than you are in that specific way. Like if you are afraid that you'll never be understood and that you'll never have the confidence to be who you truly want to be, if you see someone out there that seems to be very understood and very loved by many people and seems to be living their best life doing all these really awesome things, it can make you feel that you have failed. And so you have to do something in that moment to make that feeling go away. And so you spin the narrative in a way that makes the other person feel like they have failed or they are a letdown or they are a bad person. I don't know. So let's get into that deeper. So in terms of internet trolls banding together, which tends to happen. So there are like hate forums. There are servers dedicated to trolls banding together because obviously there is strength in numbers. A troll is not just going to go out there and leave a negative message if no one's going to care about it like obviously it makes them feel better to just post it maybe, but if they're going to get a thousand likes on their mean comment, it's going to make them feel even better. There's this quote out there that I've heard that it's like, no bond is stronger than two people who hate the same person. Like it's true because you come together in this community type of way over hating someone and it's horrible, but I think it does make people feel a bit better and validated, which is just, it's just crazy. It's this like sick community that bonds over hating someone. And I see it in TikTok comments all the time. Like every time someone posts a hot take, you know, a mean hot take and then gets hundreds of hearts and thumbs up, like it definitely makes their ego sore. And the act of hating on someone takes a lot of energy. So a person can really exert all of that energy into crafting or the, just all of their energy that they have into crafting a really funny but hurtful and mean comment. Like the the comments are usually well crafted, okay? the The comments that are left that are particularly mean on social media are obviously expertly crafted, a lot of them with big words and like you can tell the person took some time. Sometimes. Other times it's just like, really stupid third grade type of comments. But the ones that are the most hard hitting from an influencer perspective of reading them are the ones that you can you can tell someone clearly took their time with. And putting your energy into creating the best hater comment you can possibly make, it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of energy. And so in doing that, the person who is clearly hurting in their own way can take their mind off of whatever sadness or hurt is brewing deeply inside of them and channel it all into this momentary distraction that will give them that surge of of validation when they post it and other people are like wow what a great comment i agree with that you know it's it's crazy but constructing these messages and a lot of times videos which takes a lot of time to create a full on hater video about someone and compile all the receipts and all the screenshots and show why this person is a bad person. Like I've seen on YouTube, it's like seven minutes of so-and-so being annoying or something, like full-on dedicated content laced with this negativity and hatred. It takes time to do these things. And so I think a lot of it is is to distract people that have a lot of hate in their hearts want to distract themselves from that hate. And so they, they throw it onto someone else. It also makes them feel like I said, seen when other people validate their feelings. And from there, they're able to assemble a little army of people with the same opinions as them. And people can sometimes even become like queen bees of the hate groups, kind of like those um, YouTube channels that are all about like tea spilling and like drama channels or instagram pages that are devoted to hating on certain influencers and stuff like that like people become queen bees and are relied on for information so those people become very like this on their high horse mentality or they feel very um what's that there's like a a psychological phenomenon about it about how you feel what is it (laughs) Wait, it's something. It's like when someone likes your photo, you feel it's positive reinforcement. That's what the word, that's the phrase I'm looking for. Positive reinforcement, but in a negative way. Like when you get likes on things, it's like that positive reinforcement to keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? So, anyway, I digress. Another reason why haters hate is for protection. Okay. I think that human beings in general, do a lot of things to protect ourselves. I've learned this through my exercise journey and lifting weights. Actually, this morning, my I was trying to perfect my my deadlifting form and I have this hard time where like, my knees kind of feel like they need to move away from the bar. And my trainer said that that's because my, my trainer, Jane, who I love, told me that a reason for that is my body is trying to protect itself from this potentially dangerous object like it's moving away because I don't want to hurt myself, right? And a lot of things that our bodies do, our reflexes are to protect ourselves. Like human beings are our goal is to stay alive, right? So we want to stay alive and healthy and well, and we want to be protected. So we might not even be fully aware that we're doing this, but in situations that affect us emotionally in a negative way in a way that really affects us Our bodies and our minds kick into high gear and we do all that we can to avoid pain. And one of the things that we do in this realm is psychological projection. I promise this is the last psychology term I'm going to throw at you guys, but obviously you know I have a fascination with psychology. I'm not a psychologist, but I might as well have studied it because I feel like I've done enough studying in recent years (laughs) just to educate myself. But anyway, so psychological projection is a defense mechanism that people use subconsciously in order to cope with difficult feelings, emotions that they've stuffed deep down, have totally rushed under the rug a million times over because they don't want to feel it. They don't want to deal with that. They don't want to unpack that emotional baggage. So projection allows that difficult feeling or emotion to be kind of confronted it's like the lazy approach because you can throw it out there into the open but instead of confronting it within themselves the troll or the hater attacks someone else for that very same reason they try to confront their own demons in a way but you know like I said that they they don't really know. It's like a subconscious thing that they're doing. They don't really know that they're doing it because they personally feel this hate for themselves. They throw this thing out into the open. They they find someone who has this attribute or they dig deep to invent this attribute in someone that they don't like. And it's kind of like a loophole. They attack this other person. It's kind of like another form of distracting yourself. Like I said earlier, distracting yourself from your true hurt and your true feelings in Projecting it onto someone else. That's fully what this is. It's like you are throwing your own insecurity onto someone else. It's kind of like a loophole because you don't have to deal with your own stuff. You can convince yourself that, yeah, there's this kind of unresolved feeling, emotion, bad thing deep inside of you that you have not confronted and dealt with. But this person out there, this influencer is far worse than I am. Like they are a disgrace. They're a horrible person. So, I'm going to project my insecurities onto them even if they don't even feel that way or they aren't even like that. They haven't even done this thing or like whatever. It's like I just need to hate on someone else to distract myself from my own feelings. For example, I saw this one example when I was reading about this where it's like there's this married woman who is out and about and is flirting with guys all the time. But then she goes home at night and her husband comes home late from work and she accuses him of having an affair. She's like, oh, have you been out cheating on me all night? Like she is projecting the fact that maybe she's unhappy in the marriage. She is throwing – like using her husband as kind of like the scapegoat, this distraction from something she needs to confront within herself, like something that she needs to deal with, like the fact that maybe she's unhappy in this marriage. She is – hating on her husband for just working late because she can't deal with her own situation. Does that make sense? So that is another reason that trolls troll and haters hate. And I actually found this really awesome Psychology Today article on this concept of projecting, psychological projection. And in one of the sections they wrote, how can you tell if someone is projecting on you? Because often it's, I mean, obviously if you don't know what's on the other person's heart per se. If you don't know that your significant other is potentially miserable in your marriage, it's obviously hard to know that unless they tell you. So in this article by Psychology Today, they had this section on how can you tell if someone is projecting on you? And they said, if someone has an unusually strong reaction To something you say, or there doesn't seem to be a reasonable explanation for their reaction, they might be projecting their insecurities onto you. So, pretty vague, but helpful because I'm going to tuck this into my back pocket. The next time I read a troll or hater comment, I'm gonna think about all the reasons. I'm gonna take a pause. I'm not gonna respond. I'm going to take a pause and remind myself that there are so many reasons that make perfect sense kind of in a psychological sense, I guess. They don't make sense to me. Like, I just don't understand how people can be so mean sometimes. But there is a kind of logical reason for this person lashing out. It might not be right morally, but there is often a reason for it, a reason for people lashing out. And oftentimes it's motivated by fear. It's motivated by protecting yourself. Like we've said, there's so many different reasons And honestly, knowing this, like knowledge is power, knowing this has really – is really helping me kind of forgive, you know, as an influencer and I think other people out there, if you've ever had a hater comment on anything now, like there's so many people that are creating things online, I think it's pretty – inevitable that you're going to get a hater comment and now anyone out there who has gotten hater comments like let's all just remember this the next time we read something negative online and maybe it'll prevent us from leaving something negative online if we have before and obviously like I said humans have evil thoughts and we can't always control it but we can control what we put in stone which comments like you know the internet's kind of one of those places where something that can be deleted like is it ever actually deleted I don't know. So anyway, guys, that is it for my episode today on why haters hate. hope this was good food for thought for you guys. I'll have all the things I talked about listed in the show notes below, the links. So if you guys want to read more, obviously, this was a very shortened version of the history of trolls. But thank you all for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I will talk to you all next Thursday. Bye. (laughs)